to five. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Unreal. Rainbows high and deep into the end zone. And it is caught. Caught. Caught for a touchdown. A leaping touchdown catch. Here he goes. He'll be chased and he is caught. 97 yards. Does he get both feet in right here at the end, Jim? What are they going to roll it? He caught it? Touchdown! He did what? He did what? He runs at the 50. He runs at the 40. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. We are seeing another spectacular effort by Marino, who fires. Touchdown! Oh, that's loose. Allen steps up. Jumps over the defenders to pick up the first. Says a prayer. came off a heartbreaking loss where Aaron Rodgers, as Adam said, he was pretty, pretty, uh, pretty fuming hot and angry about that, that loss. And I think that's going to translate as they go on to take on the New England Patriots in Gillette. Now, Gillette is obviously an extremely difficult place to play in, to perform, but that defense, I don't know if anybody realizes how well they did against the Los Angeles Rams. The Los Angeles Rams obviously scored 29 points. Uh, 27 if you take away the safety uh, against the Packers. But this was the third highest scoring team in the NFL going into that week. Jair Alexander turned it on against uh, against the Rams. And it was really exciting to see that rookie corner take up that step after coming back from, from injuries and playing so well. I think I'm going to double down on this. I think the Packers not only win the game, but they're going to hold the New England Patriots to under 24 points. I feel confident in that. I think they have a lot of good pieces to match up with the pieces of the Patriots. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to get it done. Uh, obviously, I'm not going to say that Aaron Rodgers is the greatest ever play, but I think he's going to prove right now that he's the better number 12. And uh, Michael Jordan, uh, feel good about, about Aaron Rodgers. Let's get Adam in the room. Okay, friends fortune. Week nine, Nathan Peterman, starting quarterback, isn't going to throw a single interception against the Bears. Just kidding. <laughs> We're not going to go there. Anyway, actual friends fortune here. So the last three weeks, Pittsburgh Steelers running back James Conner, who Josh and I both love, out of University of Pittsburgh and also McDowell High School in Erie, PA, where we're from. Last three weeks, he's had over 100 yards and two touchdowns in all three wins for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, I still believe the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to win this week, but James Conner is going to have under 100 yards rushing and zero touchdowns for the team this week. Now, that Ravens defense is tough, and I unmasked them, and I slashed them, and all those things because I don't believe in them. That being said, the defense is solid, and I think that the Ravens are going to lose to the Steelers, but the Steelers are not going to do it behind James Conner. 
again, he had three, he's had three straight weeks of over 100 yards and two touchdowns. And this week, both of those streaks end where he goes under 100 yards rushing and zero touchdowns. All right. Well, welcome back to Simultaneous Catch, my friends. Uh, so, obviously, James Conner did have a touchdown, although it was a receiving touchdown. Um, he also only had 107 yards rushing. So, wrong on my friend's fortune, but not that far off. And Joshua, oof, 31 points surrendered to the New England Patriots last Sunday night. Well, welcome to Simultaneous Catch, friends. This is Adam Jeffrey Rosti. My co-host, Mr. Joshua Lapping, is out of town currently. So we're going to have a fun episode where it's just me. <laughs> uh, but we've got some great guests lined up for you. Uh, we've got our, our buddy Mike back on. We have our my buddy Corwin back on for some Houston talk. Six straight for Houston. They are on fire. And then we also have our... Our friend Charles Parker Rao, who's going to be on the show pretty shortly here to gloat about his Patriots. It's going to be just as painful for me as it will be for you folks. Uh, but anyway, great week of, weekend of football. Great weekend of football. Um, and we're going to start it off with a little rant rave recall because I have a little bit of a mini rant to go on here. Um, and I'm really, really sick and tired of mob fans on Twitter and Facebook and all around with the tweets about, you know, so-and-so team should have drafted blank and if they would have drafted blank. And I, I'm kind of over it because it's just something that cannot be quantified. And, and the big example is, you know, they're talking about the Buffalo Bills and their quarterback situation right now. And obviously it's way too early in Josh Allen's career to, to, to write him off in, in that way. But, you know, Nathan, Peter, and Beer are our quarterback right now. And and what a lot of people will say is, oh, well, you should have drafted Pat Mahomes or you should have drafted Carson Wentz and Deshaun Watson because these were all quarterbacks we had a chance to draft and a lot of the wide receivers as well. And it's just NFL history is littered with players who were not good in one place but good in another. You can't quantify or compare one situation to the other because as good as Patrick Mahomes is, Patrick Mahomes has such a luxury of having one of the great offensive minds in NFL history and Andy Reid coaching him, scheming him up, putting him in a great position to succeed. And he has guys like Kareem Hunt carrying the football and uh, Travis Kelsey and Sammy Watkins and Tyreek Hill and Chris Conley. He just, the list goes on and on of all these weapons. And, and then you look at, you look at, Carson Wentz in Philadelphia and the team just beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl with their backup quarterback being the MVP. So do I need to explain to you how good that team was around him last year? And Deshaun Watson has all these weapons, and you know, DeAndre Hopkins and now Demarius Thomas. And it's just that defense with J.J. Watt and Davian Clowney, I can go on and on. And, you know, you look at Alex Smith early on in his career with the San Francisco 49ers, and he wasn't really that great. And then he finally turned it on with Jim Harbaugh and when they brought in all these new schemes and this new system and these coaches. And then, you know, he was great in Casey with, again, who? Andy Reid. And he's doing all, all right in Washington right now with Jay Gruden. So just can we please cool it? Can we please stop it with all of this? He should have drafted this person and they should have drafted that guy. And, oh, I can't believe they missed. And, yeah, maybe some of these guys would still be good. 
no matter where they were, whether it's in you know Buffalo or, or Jacksonville or wherever. But you can't expect them to have been what they are. So please, can we stop it? We're done. No more. I'm over it. Whew. Thank you. Oh, man. I need Josh here. <laughs> All right. So we're going to move on from Rant Rave Recall. And we're going to move into our first guest, uh, a great friend of mine, one of my best friends, and also a, a friend of Josh's as well, my buddy Charlie Rowell from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. All right. So here we are. We have my buddy Charlie Rowell online. Charlie, how you doing? I'm good. How are you doing, Adam? Uh, I'm hanging in there. So for those of you who don't know, Charlie is a Patriots fan. So you can go ahead and boo at home if you would like. But, you know, six straight wins, I believe. I think we I think it's time we, we talked about the Patriots. So uh, big win last week, obviously, against the, the Packers, 31-17 on Sunday Night Football. Uh, my my first question is, you know, we everybody always says the Patriots – kind of flare out and at the beginning of the season and they're like, oh well, here we go, the dynasty's ending. But six in a row, compared to Patriots teams of old and past Patriots teams, how good is this football team? I think obviously it's not as good as the undefeated season, but it is one of the better teams and I think a big part of that is health. I mean, look at them. They're they're five and oh since Amandola uh, not Amandola, wow, uh Freudian flip there, Edelman uh has returned from suspension and yeah. missing him all of last year was obviously a huge effect. Even Gronk and Michelle should be healthy for this upcoming week. We have Hightower and Flowers both healthy as this team is just seems healthier than Patriots team in the past. And again, as long as Brady and Belichick are still Brady and Belichick, I think this team is going to be one of the better teams in the league. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, you also have the, the chiefs are up there with seven wins and, now the Chargers surging and, you know, six straight from Houston. Do you think um, this Pats team will clinch a bye? And, and why do you say that? I think they will clinch a bye. And I think two of those teams you mentioned, the Chiefs and the Houston, New England already has head-to-head wins on. And that's a huge part of that. I think you look at the standings right now and the four teams leading the division are the Patriots, the Texans, the Steelers, and the Chiefs, and I think those will be the four teams that are leading the division at the end of the season. Okay. So New England, with the game in Pittsburgh in December, has a chance to have three head-to-head wins against all four divisional winners. I just think that Pittsburgh hasn't beaten New England since 2011. I don't see that changing this year either. I hope not, because I'm going to be at the game. <laughs> well, I actually... I didn't, I, just, I didn't realize that you guys... that that the Steelers hadn't beaten them since 11. That's a long time. Yeah, uh, uh, to preface that, I was 18. That was the uh, first time I could vote. Uh, shout out to voting day today. Hey, that's awesome. And obviously we can't tell our viewers, listeners to vote because it will have already happened. But I hope, you, I, hope, I hope you were out there doing that. Uh, oh, yeah, some great points that I think a lot, not a lot of people realize is that you already have those head-to-head. So, so we'll see what happens going down the road. But uh, the question I have to ask as a Bills fan who's praying for this to eventually happen, and we keep thinking the cliff's about to happen, but 41 years old, it still hasn't. How much longer is Tom Brady going to play? And how much longer will he play at this level, considering it's still at Tom Brady-like levels? I think, and this is going to be a little bit shocking, I think we obviously were closer to the end than we are to the beginning. He's 41. Right. <laughs> but, I mean, there are, there are moments that, like, 
I mean, you, obviously, with having Edelman back, you look at the Lions and the Jaguars games, and there aren't as much strong takeaways because he has his weapons. And the game against Green Bay, the streak of seven straight incompletions. Like, right. I think that right now they have the 14-playing rushing offense and a defense that's 11th in points against it. So Belichick has done a good job building around Brady because he can't exactly do everything he used to do. Right. But I think the addition of Josh Gordon is going to be the difference between New England winning another Super Bowl and losing. I really think that Gordon is just not a Randy Moss level, but I think he's even better than Brandon Cooks when you can see okay. as a complete package of a receiver. But I think I think I think Brady retires next time they win the Super Bowl. Whether that be this year or next year, I think he just wants one more ring. So what I call uh, he keeps changing I call that greedy. You already have five. Get out of here. <laughs> I mean <laughs> I don't think we've seen a a player in the NFL with the kind of competitive motor Tom Brady has. I mean, that's fair. I I think people I think that goes unnoticed a lot of times is how fiery he gets because he really really does. And I've said it before, Tom Brady would be one of my favorite players had he not played for the Patriots. Well, he plays for the Patriots, and he would have been one of my favorite players either way. But he just happened to play for New England. Yeah. Fair enough, fair enough. Okay, so uh, we're getting to our we'll go go to our picks next. We do this with all of our all of our guests on the show. You're gonna pick Josh and I's teams and then your team. Let's let's just get the pain out of the way real quick and let's just go Bills at Jets. The early reports are that Josh Allen could start and Sean McDermott said if he doesn't and Anderson can play, then it'll be Anderson, and then if not, they'll see what happens. So let's get the pain out of the way. Um this game comes down to whether it's Allen or Anderson. Okay. If it's Allen, the Bills, the Bills will find a way to win. Darnold was awful. Okay. Last week, I, I had some, I had some faith in the Jets. I picked them to win on the road in Miami. Yeah. And they just, they didn't do that. You beat me in picks, in picks this week, man. I did. I, I, for for those of you who are away, Charlie and I do weekly picks on Twitter, and he's been crushing me most of the year. But I had a, we both had pretty, we, and you still had a solid week. I mean, but. Uh, did pretty well last week in picks. So, so give us a score in this game. If it's Allen, the Bills win um, nineteen to fourteen. If it's Anderson, the Jets win uh, fourteen to six. Okay, okay, all right. Well, you know what? I appreciate that you didn't just go for the blowout pick. I appreciate that. Uh, so let's go to Dolphins at Packers. Now this is Josh's. Both of his teams clashing. So Ooh. talk about this one. Um, Mike McCarthy's got to go is the first thing I'm going to say about this. Okay. Watching watching what Aaron Rodgers can do closer than usual. Usually I'll tune into a couple segments of the Packers game, but watching just how ineffective McCarthy is running that offense and the fact that Rodgers has won Super Bowl with the gifts that he has is just yeah. ridiculous. That being said, I think think they're too talented for Miami, so I'm going uh, 28-23 Packers. Okay, all right, all right. Packers and Green Bay, tough to beat. And then last but not least, the Patriots game. Hit us with this one. This is uh, a fun game because it isn't a Belichick assistant, but it's Mike Vrabel's first game against the Patriots. Um, he's a former pass player, so I think it'll be uh, closer than people like, and the Titans seem to – get something going last week versus Dallas. So we'll see if they can continue it. But I just think, again, same with Packers, Dolphins, the Patriots have too much talent. So I'm going 27-21 uh, uh, Patriots. 27-21 Patriots. All right, sounds like a good game. 
All right, Charlie. Well, thanks for thanks for coming on the show today. We appreciate it. Uh, make sure you tell your friends so we can get some more listeners. But uh, regardless, uh, my well, friends are all your listeners. All right. Oh well, fair <laughs> enough. All right. Uh, thanks for thanks for joining us, Charlie. Of course, anytime, Adam. All right, so that, like I said, that was Charlie. Glad to have him on the show. Um, made some good points. Some good points that maybe I didn't want to hear about the Patriots. Uh, but, you know, I think the the most interesting point he made was definitely about Mike McCarthy. And I said it, I said it Sunday night. It, you know, McCarthy really is not that great of a coach. And I, I love the point that Charlie made that it's really unfair and it shouldn't be this way that Aaron Rodgers only has one ring in his entire career with the talent that he has. Um, and the comparison people will always make between Brady and Rodgers is there and just in terms of greatness and obviously their numbers are the same and all of that. But talent-wise, I don't think many people will argue that Aaron Rodgers is a more talented quarterback than Tom Brady. It's just that Brady has had Belichick, Brady has had Randy Moss, Brady has had Rob Gronkowski, Brady has had all of these defensive players in the Hall of Fame, and you know all of these people. It's just Brady has had a lot, and nobody's taking away from the greatness of Tom Brady. Five rings speaks for itself. It speaks for itself, and the MVPs, all of that. You cannot, nor am I not taking away any of that from Tom Brady. But it's a good point to make. Is Mike McCarthy's time running out? We'll find out. But we're going to head to our next guest here, uh, returning guest, Mr. Michael Mikas, our Dallas Cowboys correspondent. All right, so here he is, folks, our Cowboy correspondent again, Mike Mikas. Mike, how are we doing today? I appreciate I appreciate the honesty, my friend. I really, really do. Uh, so hey, let's let's get right into it. Uh, Dallas Cowboys go down to the Tennessee Titans on Monday Night Football. You know, Dak didn't have too bad of a day. Twenty-one to thirty-one, two forty-three, two touchdowns and a pick. Uh, Mariota really had a day. Twenty-one to twenty-nine, two forty-two touchdowns. You know, they got Cooper involved. So I, I just. I'm just going to kind of start off with it, man. What what happened? Man, I, going into this game, I was really expecting the final score to look something like a 34-17, something like that. Oof. Where the Cowboys win. Oof. I really did. Uh, the Titans have been unable to do anything offensively. Uh, the Cowboys at home were nearly averaging, I think, close to 30 points a game. Uh, defensively, we've been great all year. I was like, okay, I'm feeling pretty good. A nice bounce back win. You know, we get Amari Cooper involved. Jason put in current game home. Everything was going to be great. And after the first quarter, I thought, okay, you know what? We, we forced the two fumbles, nearly forced three. We uh, we were right in the red zone. Uh, we got the Amari Cooper touchdown. We missed the field goal, but we looked good getting down there. Zeke nearly scored, got the one. Then we did that pick, and I was like, okay, not feeling too great, you know. But, uh as the game went on, we were 14-14 at the end of the half. I said, okay, we got some momentum going in the half. You can make things happen. And then things just got out of hand. And uh, ultimately, I really, I think it just comes down to the coaching. The personnel, uh, the scheme, the personnel is fine. It's, it's the scheme uh, and what we, we were doing with our, uh, with our players. Zeke was close to 100 yards in the first half. And then he touched the ball six more times in the second half. 
Uh, Cole Beasley wasn't targeted until the final four minutes of the game. It, it just it was a it was a calamity uh, on all fronts. The offense Zach wasn't even that bad. He, like you said, he had an okay game. The fumble was bad. The pick was bad. But for the most part, he played already. He was holding the ball a little too long, but he made the throws he needed to. He threw for about 250 yards. Zeke was just getting bottled up. It's because our offense is uh, first and ten, run the ball, get four yards, second and long, incompletion, third down, second down to the running back, fourth down punt, and. Uh, if the defensive coordinator knows that, they're gonna they're gonna scheme to uh, to take care of you every single time that exact way, and we do the exact thing, the same thing every single time. Uh, we just gotta get a new coordinator. It's uh, it's <laughs> that simple, really. Yeah, that, some some really really great points, and that's a great segue into my second question that I wanted to ask. Uh, sort of a little comedy to lighten the mood on this subject, but uh, on on Twitter. Dominique Foxworth, uh, a former player and now an NFL analyst, tweeted, if NFL head coach was an elected position, what would Jason Garrett's campaign slogan? And one of our um, favorite Twitter personalities, Mina Kimes, she's a columnist, yeah. she's a she's an ESPN reporter, said he wouldn't need mm-hmm. one because late in the game he'd inexplicably decide not to run. <laughs> so uh, I got to I gotta ask, you, you mentioned it, Jason Garrett. Is it time for Jason Garrett to go? Yeah, oh yeah, no, it's time It's time for Jason Garrett to go and it's time for a future head coach uh, of the Dallas Cowboys, Lincoln Riley, to get in there. Okay. And, uh, team, up, <laughs> team up some good plays for Zeke and Dad. Okay. Uh, because Jason, Jason's just not getting it done. And uh, my roommate, actually, uh, Jack, earlier said maybe Jason doesn't have to maybe it's Scott, but I think regardless of if Scott is the reason why the offense has been stagnant, yeah. I think Jason has to go for the fact that he's allowed it to happen and has not taken the reins, hasn't done anything to, to shake anything up. Uh, so he's just been he's been derelict of his duties, and he uh, absolutely he, he's been he's been ignorant in, in what he needs to do to get the uh-huh. team winning. Uh, so I think he's got to. I think they both have to go. Okay. I don't think Jerry's gonna fire either of them. I think he will wait until uh, the season finishes, and I don't really know what that accomplishes. Okay. But, uh, I I think I think they're both on their way out. Yeah. All right. Uh. Well. So. Dallas Cowboys now sit at three and five. Uh, Washington is now five and three. The Eagles four and four, and of course the, the Giants in the basement at one and seven. But Dallas goes into Philly next Sunday night, and then you have then you're on the road for the Falcons. Then you're home for Washington, home for New Orleans, home for Philly. I mean, it does not get any easier from here on out. No, it only gets harder. Do the Cowboys have any chance of winning the division or sneaking in? Uh, any chance? I mean, like I think last night I heard them say that after last night the Cowboys have a 19% chance to make the playoffs. And honestly, when I heard that number, I went, "That's way higher than I would expect <laughs> them to have." Uh, you know, if we win next week, we're four and five, tied with the Eagles, and you know, maybe if the Skins lost to the Bucks, we're a game behind. Right. So, is it is it impossible? No. Okay. Do I think any team? Do I think any team in the NFC East deserves to be in the playoffs this year? No. Okay. They're all terrible. Okay. They're they're really they're all awful. If that that means that like either the Bears or the Packers or uh, the the Falcons, one of those teams are going to get left out to make room for one of these sorry pathetic franchises. <laughs> None of them deserve to be in. And if the Cowboys get in, or the Eagles, or the Fal- uh or the Redskins, it'll be at nine and seven. And there'll be uh, just like food for the Saints or or uh, the Panthers or one of those teams in the first round of the playoffs, and it'd be almost it'd be almost pointless. Is there a chance? Yeah, I, I think there is. I, I really I look at the schedule and I go, 
of the games are technically winnable moving forward besides the Saints. The Saints, it is not winnable. I really hope that Dez signs with the Saints. That's yeah. in the room in the last. I hope Dez signs with the Saints, comes back home, and like really just gives the Cowboys just punishment for cutting him. Because <laughs> uh, I've already accepted that we're going to lose, so I hope, I hope yeah. Dez goes down. I hope the Saints, I'm honestly, I'm a Saints fan moving forward for the rest of the year. I hope the Saints win the Super Bowl. Uh, I love Drew Brees. I hope he wins the MVP. I hope Alex yeah. uh, uh you know, I hope they all. I hope they win, and I hope Des uh, rides that train into the Super Bowl. We'll, we will lose to the Saints. Okay. We might beat the Falcons. I, I really have no yeah. idea. We could be. We could beat anybody in the NFC East. I think the I last agree. three games. Uh, I think the last, the Colts, Bucks, and Giants are all technically winnable games. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but um, we really can't lose any other games moving forward. It's got to be kind of like uh, besides the Saints game. Okay. We have to run the table. All right. We kind of had to. We kind of had to win last night. Yeah. To, uh, give us cushion to possibly lose against the Falcons or the Eagles once and maybe still squeeze in at 9-7, Yeah. Now, I, I'm looking at us probably losing two more games. means we have to go 9-7 and seven and have a tiebreaker or uh, the best uh, the best head-to-head uh, wins in the, in the East to make the playoffs winning the division. And right. it requires the other the East and the, the, uh, the Eagles and the Skins to truly Continue to play poorly, but ultimately just collapse down the stretch. And it's okay. not easy for them either. I think both of them right. still have to face the uh, Texans. Yeah. Uh, I think they both have to play the Jags, who uh-huh. if the defense shows up is a solid team. Right. They all have to play in the East. I think they both have to play the Saints as well. So it's not like the schedule is really easy for anybody, but uh, it's really just going to be whoever can manage to climb out to be a 9 and 7. That's really what it's going to be. I, I, if you if you ask, like, gun to my head. I don't think the Cowboys win on Sunday. Okay. And I don't think they make the playoffs. Okay. I'll probably pick with my heart and say that the Cowboys will win. Right. Because, um, uh, because after losing to the Titans and getting steamrolled, there's no reason they should beat the Eagles, and that's why they will beat the Eagles. So they can maintain <laughs> the status quo of, of Jason Garrett. Yeah. I ultimately think the Cowboys probably finish the season seven and nine, and Jason Garrett gets fired. Okay. In exactly five hundred plays. All right. Nine seven last year, twelve and four. Uh. 13 and 3, 3 and 13, 8, 8, 8, and 8, 8 and 8. Like that's incredible. Be, it, it would it make perfect sense. So I think we go 7 and 9. Incredible. And uh, it won't even matter that the first round pick will not be that good. Yeah. Because it's <laughs> pretty good. So, well, uh, I. I, two things I appreciate most in a human being, self-awareness and honesty. So I appreciate all that. You're hitting us with that. Uh, but uh, you gave me a good segue. Uh, you mentioned the... The game, so let's just let's get right into it. Let's let's get a score for uh, Dallas Philly. Dallas Philly, okay. Uh, if I'm picking with my head, I think Philly wins maybe like uh, 26 to 10. Okay. Because we're in Philadelphia. If I'm picking with my heart, I'm going 2017 Cowboys. All right. So uh, I could so. see I could see either outcome. I really could. Um, both teams are streaky, and both yes. teams uh, this year haven't really shown up. Golden Tate, though, is the Cowboys' killer. Yeah. Now an eagle. So it would be sitting that, like, we lose on, like, uh, you know, we're right in it, maybe down three with, like, eight to play, and then Golden Tate gets, like, a 60-yard touchdown <laughs> to uh, make it. And then Golden Tate out of gets to stick it to Dallas twice in one year. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, so let's just get my pain out of the way. Let's head down to Buffalo, in, heading into New York to face the Jets now, or New Jersey, sorry. But right. – uh, Allen might play. There, the thought is that he threw a full practice yesterday, and but the hierarchy is 
Sean McDermott said that Allen would start if if he's healthy, and then Anderson would start after him if he were healthy, and then he said we don't know what would happen if that ended up happening. So, what do we think happens? Uh, well, I actually I told again Jack, uh, my Jets fan roommate, yesterday I said I I would have picked every game right this week besides uh, of, of course the Cowboys and I picked wrong. Yeah, and the Cowboys won. If I had picked the uh, Dolphins to win, I would have picked every game right for the first time in my life. I wow. Every game wow. Right. And I told you, that I, I said, I'm never picking the Jets again because I can't trust them. <laughs> but that means that I have to pick the Bills, and I can't trust them either. They both are terrible options. Ultimately, I think, I just think the Bills are basically a dumpster fire. They're, uh, they're a dumpster fire. And the Jets are also dumpster fire. They're just in green instead of in blue. Okay. Um, I think the Jets win maybe like... Uh, 17-10. Okay. So not a very fun game. <laughs> no, uh, not at all. Hey, ju- I just want to tell you that uh, we just had Charlie on, and he said if Allen starts, he's picking the Bills. So we'll see We'll see what happens. I, no, and I don't, think that, I don't think that's crazy. Like, I truly, it's a coin flip. I think either way, I'm picking 17-10 to be the score. Okay. It could be the Jets. It could be the Bills. Yeah. Ultimately, I don't think the game really matters for either. Probably, probably, I mean, all. probably not in terms of, like, you know, the year, but, you know, development, it's important, but you're right. Right, you're, you're totally correct. De- development is important for both the rookies, whoever's playing, and it would be fun to see uh, Allen versus Arnold. I would yeah. enjoy that. Well, the hope but, is that um, that's, the hope is that that's a, a high caliber duel for the next 10 to 15 years, but I digress. Right. Um, so right, let's exactly. pick the last one, Dolphins going into Green Bay, both of Josh's favorite teams facing off. Who we got? Uh, Honestly, I think the Packers are not a great team this year at all by any stretch. Okay. Uh, but I do think that after last week, Packers beat the Dolphins convincingly. Okay. Maybe, uh, 48-17. Okay. All right. That sounds great. Uh, yeah. Well, Mike, I appreciate you having you on again. It's always it's always a pleasure. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, it's never under good circumstances. Right. right. About the most <laughs> well, disappointing team in in NFL history, but, hey, uh, you know. The ne- when the next time the Cowboys have a big win, it could be this weekend, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have you on for good circumstances, all right? Great. All good. right. Thank you so much. Always a pleasure, my friend. All right. Good luck this weekend. Yep. Take all right. care. Bye. All right, friends. That was Mike Mikas. Always a pleasure having him on. I always appreciate the insight that he has and all the thought that he puts into his points. Interesting though, that's two interview interviewees in a row calling for coaches' jobs already. I wonder who goes first. Wonder who goes first. So obviously we're a little out of order here because Josh has been away, but you know what? We have a surprise for y'all. My best friend, my co-host, Mr. Joshua Lapping is calling in. Okay, so uh, I said it earlier, pal, but I, I missed you. I, mi- I miss having you here. Uh, how are we doing? I miss you too, my friend. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How, how's your trip? Uh, how's your trip airport. been? It's been good. It's been, uh, it's been nice. Uh, saw some shows. Went to a museum today. Went to see the Pequot Native American Museum. That was fun. So wow. I'm looking forward to being home now. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So... Uh, t- tough, tough week. I mean, I guess we can have a little bit of a reaction to the friend's fortunes uh, because I guess you didn't hear mine or did you listen to it? 
I, I uh, haven't heard it. No. I okay, so, it, so my my friend's fortune was that James Conner, who had three straight 100 yard rushing, two touchdown games, would had less than 100 rushing and no rushing touchdowns. So now he Ooh, didn't. Yep. Well, he had 107 rushing and no rushing touchdowns. It was a receiving touchdown. <laughs> Say, yeah, he caught. Is it only one? I thought he caught two. I don't. I actually, I thought he only caught one. So I don't really know. But regardless, I got it wrong either way. Um, well, <laughs> well, mine was it, wrong too. Eventually, we gotta get it right. Um, but yeah, so I have a really cool cold read for you. I don't know if you saw. This. All right, lay it on me. I don't know if you saw this article, but uh, Steve Dorshuk, uh, he's a he's a Browns beat reporter tweeted out this article that said in an interview Bruce Arians said quote Cleveland Cleveland is the only head coaching job I would consider tell me what you think about that that's the cold read right there yeah what do you think about that Uh, that's brilliant that's brilliant If, if Cleveland could land Bruce Arians they would have their best head coach of the 20th century wow he could come in and he would do amazing things with Baker Mayfield. Obviously, we know that the whole team as a whole has a lot of talent. Yeah. But especially on the defense, but on the offense, I don't think we talk about it enough. Uh-huh. Uh, all the different pieces that that offense has. Bruce Arians comes in, he could do some really amazing things with that young quarterback. He yeah. has some swagger, which I think Bruce Arians loves. I think he is a swagger head coach. So, yeah. If, if they could get that there, that would be great because I think things started to uh, fizzle out in Arizona. I feel like he was not – that team didn't have swagger when he left. I think that's why he wanted to step away. I don't think he was enjoying it the way that Bruce Arians as a coach does. Uh-huh. So, I mean, if you got him there, uh, especially with, with the history he has in that division, oh, absolutely. I'm telling you, that, that would be huge. Oh, that would be huge. I think if – if Jimmy Haslam can get that to happen, I say you offer him whatever you want, and you get him in, and you make sure he's committed early, so that way that's something you can not worry about this offseason. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's right. I agree. I mean, Bruce Arians has always been one of my favorite coaches, even back when he was just the OC with Pittsburgh. You know, he did great things with Big Ben, and then, you know, yeah. great things in Arizona. We were both big Cardinals fans in, in his time there. So, so I'd love to see it too. I really would. Yeah, I don't think he is a man that is done with coaching. If he if he wants to be coaching, he will. I feel like I said uh, things were just starting to fizzle in the desert a little bit. But if you give him a team with all that talent that has all that potential, he could get him there. I believe that. Okay. All right. That yeah. Was... Do you uh you want a friend's fortune from Connecticut? A friend? Wait, a, you mean a cold read from Connecticut? Oh yeah, I'm cold read. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, I I love a cold read from Connecticut. All right, so there's two articles uh, on NFL.com. I'm sure there are multiple articles written about this uh, throughout throughout the world of the internet. But obviously, after the Cowboys lost on Monday, I'm not sure if you talked about this with Mike, but Troy Aikman came out saying Cowboys need a complete overhaul. There's a bunch of rumors swirling about. John Harbaugh and Baltimore. So I'm six teams that are struggling a little bit. Which coach between those two do you see being fired first? John Harbaugh or Jason Garrett? Okay, so the the wording of this question is interesting because which one that I see 
more likely to be fired first would probably be Harbaugh, only because I don't think Jerry Jones would do it quicker. But the Ooh. one the one that I think needs to go is definitely Jason Garrett. And we did talk a little bit. Ooh, about, I love that. Yeah, we definitely talked about it with Mike. And Mike agreed. Mike said that Garrett needs to go that Linenhan needs to go and he, you know, he he mentioned it last time he was on but he said it again he wants Lincoln Riley from from Oklahoma to come up and be be the coach there. Um it's just I, I don't know if I would say that the Cowboys need a complete overhaul because they have a lot of really great young talent on that defense of DeMarcus Lawrence and Leighton Vander Esch, their first round pick from this past year linebacker, yeah. you know, Jalen Smith. Like they have all these Byron Jones. They have these great young pieces on defense and then you know you still have Dak who's this is only his third year in the NFL and you have Zeke and uh, you just traded for Amari Cooper who's only 24 years old so I mean they have all these really young pieces you know third round receiver young nucleus nucleus to build around for sure exactly so I don't really agree with the notion that they need a complete overhaul but I definitely think they need a new staff in there and I think they need a new vision and a new direction not an overhaul because they have pieces in there they just need to be put together to form the right picture in my opinion so all right I like that yeah I like that a Uh, lot I honestly think that Harbaugh is okay I think that Harbaugh I think uh Ozzie Newsome the GM of the Ravens who has said this is his last year I think in his last draft he gifted John Harbaugh the greatest thing you can for a struggling team and that was a first round quarterback to learn so Harbaugh's gonna have Harbaugh's gonna have that safety net my opinion of okay I'm gonna go with Lamar now give me time to develop him and get him better if that's what Harbaugh wants and I think that you know the Ravens could be right back up there again in the next couple of years, if if Lamar de- develops the way that I believe he can and will. So, I mean, I agree. I, I it's a great point about Jerry Jones not being able to pull the trigger. Uh, we know that's definitely a thing that we've seen from him yeah. throughout his career as the owner. I mean, I've always been a Harbaugh fan. Yeah, for the most part, have as well. I feel like he just provides a very strong voice. So, right. I mean, like if you were going to install that Lamar Jackson moving forward. I mean, it's that whole, I mean, obviously it's be a rookie next year, but you just need that consistency as a young quarterback. Right. And I like John Harbaugh is a very strong head coach, in my opinion. I mean, yeah. he's been struggling the last few years, but, I mean, we've seen great consistency out of the defense for the most part the last handful of years. So right. I'm, I'm, I think you brought, yeah, I think you answered that perfectly. Yeah. So I, I, we'll see what happens. We've already had one coach go down this year. Let's see. We'll, we'll have to see what happens from here on out, but we swapped fortunes in Pal's picks this week. <laughs> you went one and two, and I went two and one, and if the darn, I, I I don't know if you saw, did you see the end of that, the Chargers-Seahawks uh, game? I knew, I knew Seattle was making a comeback. I was so invested in that same game. Okay, well, yeah, I mean, there yeah. Was, that... There was no changing that, but. <laughs> well, I put on, I put on red zone after the Bills were just getting schlopped, and I couldn't handle it anymore, <laughs> but. Uh, I will say I, I put on red zone on my laptop and I had the Bills game on the main TV, so I still have yet to turn off a Bills game like halfway through because it's that bad. I finished all the games. So, that, yes. Uh, that being said, Russell Wilson hit his receiver in the back of the end zone at with on an untimed down from the one-yard line and he dropped it. That's how the Seattle game ends. So as far as I'm concerned, I'm 3-0. 
you're not. So. But regardless, I went two and one. You were one and two. But uh, oh, uh, I, let's let's see if our theme song comes in over the speaker, okay? So it's time for okay. it's time for. Oh yeah. That you know, might be the best one we ever I was going to say, I think that was pretty damn good. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, Pals Picks, let's get into it. Uh, I'll, I'll, uh, I can't remember what order we went in last week, but I'll just, I'll, uh, doesn't we'll just start with you. I'll give you the, give you the games. I, I tried to pick some, some fun ones because I've been hitting you with all the high profile, like game of the week games. So I wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to get you with a couple ones that might be a little bit tougher, but the, this, the, this first one is. The Thursday night game, the Panthers going into Pittsburgh to face the Steelers, and this is probably the—I mean, it's not probably. This is the highest-profile one that I'm giving you this week, but this should be a fun yeah. football game. No, I'm definitely excited. After some of the clunkers we've seen on Thursday night, yeah. I feel like this is a great one to get us back on track for yeah. some entertaining football on a Thursday night. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, yeah, so I mean, obviously, two teams that are, are riding high right now—they are on both. Both on win streaks, quarterbacks, offenses are all playing well. Both defenses are starting to pick it up. Um, so it's going to be tough, but I'm going to go with the road team in this game. I'm going to go with the Carolina Panthers. Okay. Trust in Cam. Uh, I know we've said it for for years and years, but when Cam is doing well, Cam is doing fantastic. Yeah. So he's he's hot right now, and I feel like he will make more plays against that defense, which although it's been improving. <sighs> As a whole, Carolina's defense is better. Uh, I feel like Cam will make more plays against that offense uh, than Big Ben. But, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying this to uh, cover my rear or anything, but I won't, I won't be surprised at all if this is the game where Cam falls flat on his face because <laughs> we all know he can do that, right, especially right. in a, in a primetime life. Right. But I'm, I'm going to roll with uh, happy Cam here. Yeah, okay. Well, and you know, we've talked about it time and time again with Cam that when Cam is on and when he's consist- playing consistent, he's just one of the best, and he's incredible. So, I, you know, you love to see happy Cam having fun on the field. It's a great, great thing to watch. So I'm sure I'm sure we'll have a good it's time. Fun watching. Game yeah, Definitely. I'm sure we'll have fun watching that on Thursday. Okay, going to go. go. So I uh, we've already had Mike and Charlie pick this one, and they're both split. Uh, they, they both split on Bills heading down to New Jersey to face the New Jersey Jets. So, uh, the true New York team traveling to New Jersey, and it could be the battle of rookie first-round picks because Josh Allen went through his first full practice in two and a half weeks yesterday, and and practiced again today through about a hundred. Said he threw about a hundred balls. Exactly. So he said, and McDermott said that if he's healthy, Allen will start. If he's not, Anderson will start if he's out of protocol. And then he said. Peterman right now is the emergency, but we'll see what happens if we get down there. So, <laughs> so uh, Charlie said if Allen starts, he's picking the Bills. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's huge. We need to know that information, which is why this is hard right now. We're recording this today. You can hit it with the if he starts or not. I, I'm okay with that. I mean, I feel like that's a cop-out answer, though. So I'm okay. not going to do that. Okay. Um, so I, 
all the things that you've been talking about all year with Sam Darnold, I think were definitely put on display against the Miami Dolphins this past weekend. Yes. He made some very boneheaded mistakes. And I think he admitted that he came out and said, I played stupid football yeah. down in Miami. So I think what's going to happen is that he's going to be extremely careful with the football this week. I think he's going to be so – uh, focused on not making those mistakes where it may not be an exciting football game offensive-wise for the New York Jets, but yeah. I think he's going to be careful. And that may not result in points necessarily all the time, but I don't think he'll be turning it over as much as he did. With that being said, I don't think Josh Allen's going to play. Okay. I My my own philosophy, my the way I'd be thinking about this is the Bills are 2-7, and seven. You're probably not going to go anywhere, even if you win out. You're right. making the playoff with how this with how this conference is right now, very slim. Right. I feel like risking your first round, kind of what we're thinking, because the savior would be a big mistake. So I don't think he's going to play. Uh, I'm not sure he's going to progress that far in a week. He still, I mean, this would be the year if he could come back from that injury. Right. So I feel like it's going to be Derek Anderson, and I just feel like that that Jets secondary is going to confuse him make a few plays i think darnold is not going to be quote-unquote stupid again so okay I'm sorry to say my friend but i'm going to pick uh the new jersey jets here that's all right that's all right uh but i will i will say that if josh allen's in i'm definitely rooting for him okay i appreciate that that's all that's all i need to do um all right and last but certainly not least because even though the texans have kind of taken control of this division recently with their six straight yeah. six straight wins, this is a big divisional game. It's the the Jags heading to Indianapolis to face the Colts. Two teams heading in two opposite directions right now. What's going to happen? They in this definitely game? are definitely heading in two different directions, and I think they're going to continue heading in those same directions okay. after uh, this weekend's game. I'm picking the Indianapolis Colts. Even so, obviously last year was the year the Jacksonville Jaguars exploded. They became this defensive juggernaut, but they've always had some really good pieces. It's always been the offense that's been second yeah. in, in some short shape or form. But Andrew Luck has always performed very, very well inside the division. He's got some healthy pieces. Obviously, Ty Hilton coming has come back and another week on the bye to continue to get healthy, just rest up. The emergence of Marlon Mack, who is had, coming off the bye, like two, is continuing getting healthy. I believe in Andrew Luck if he's going to get it done against that defense. And I feel like just the, the momentum of those teams that they're carrying, Indy riding high, Jacksonville in that slump, I think it's just going to continue. I think Jacksonville is going to be able to get out of it this week. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, so just to recap, everybody, Josh went the road team, Panthers, heading into Pittsburgh on Thursday with the victory. They took the home team with the Jets against the Buffalo Bills and the home team with the Colts against the Jacksonville Jaguars. All right. Well, I hope we you, I hope you go 2-1 and because obviously I want the Bills to win. But regardless. Yeah, there we go. Me too. <laughs> All right. So for you, my friend, uh, I know you are a pseudo Bengals fan since last year. You have not been shy about that. We're going to have Drew Brees and the Louisiana New Orleans Saints traveling up. Houdat coming to Bengalstown. Who's going to win that game? Houdat versus Houday. And there we go. <laughs> and this, and this is this is this is tougher because again, I guess I am a pseudo Bengals fan now because of everything. But also, I've been said, you know, you and I are such Saints fans and Drew Brees fans, and they're my Super Bowl pick. So this is this is really tough. But I think the big linchpin for me here is that AJ Green's not going to play. 
And Ooh, okay. And, and I really, as much as I think that, you know, they still can move the ball with Tyler Boyd uh, – and in John Ross, who's coming back this week. John and, Ross coming back healthy. Yeah, yeah. And, well, and as healthy you know, as, he, as he John be. Ross can be. Um, and you know, I'm sure Mixon will run and everything. I just, the Saints are riding high. They just beat the undefeated team. And to me, they're the best, most complete team in football. And I don't see many teams beating them right now. And it doesn't get much more complicated than that. The Saints are going to travel and win. All right, so you're not afraid of uh, Drew Brees being out in the cold in Ohio? No, I don't think it'll be as cold as people would think it would be in, in, in November. All right, there we go. Well, I love it. You know I that Drew Brees supporter along with you. Yeah. All right, going to get a little NFC North Division rivalry game here. The Detroit Lions traveling to take on the Chicago Bears. See, I feel and I feel bad for the, for the Lions because – you know, we talked at the beginning of the year. I really thought the Lions were going to be something this year. I really believed in Patricia to finally get some defense in there and some ground-and-pound run game to match the high-flying offense that normally is Matt Stafford, but they're just not doing that great. And, and yes, people will say, oh, it's the Bills. They're a dumpster fire or whatever. But the Bills' defense is not anything to scoff at. And, oh, absolutely not. Uh, and, uh, you know, Matt Nagy and that offense – schemed it up against us and they beat us. I mean, they really just beat us. And I'm really I'm really riding high with the with the with the Bears right now. I think they're one of the more complete football teams in the NFL. This offense just continues to get better and more consistent, and I'm going to roll with the Bears at home in this one and they really take firm grasp of that division lead and that flexed game. You know, they just flexed Minnesota versus Chicago in a couple weeks for Sunday night football and that's going to be a huge game coming up here. So I think the Bears keep, keep pace and they and they win their their sixth game. There we go. I love it. I agree with that. Uh, last but not least, this is uh, a game that I kind of talked about last uh, last week when we talked about the first overall pick question. We have the New York Football Giants traveling to take on possibly Nick Mullins and the San Francisco 49ers on Monday Night Football. Tell me about that, my friend. So it's actually not possibly anymore. Nick Mullins was named the starter literally about 20 minutes ago, so breaking news on simultaneous catch. But, uh, I'm, you know, it was so funny. We were watching the, the Thursday night game because uh, for, listen, for our listeners, guy, Josh and I always watch the Thursday night game and get some wings. Uh, one of my favorite traditions right now, but uh, you know, we saw Nick Mullins was going to start. And I was like, all right, Nick Mullins, Southern Mississippi, where Brett Favre went, and we were rooting for him. And kid just lit it up the whole game. It was awesome to see. And you yep. know, we we talked about we believe in Shanahan being able to scheme and and Matt Breda in the backfield with you know Raheem Mostert, who you know we hope that he's okay and that he'll heal from the injury that he had in that game. But, you know, yeah. you have these weapons, Marquise Goodwin and George Kittle, the tight end, who's come on strong. Pierre Garçon's nothing to scoff at as a weapon. It's just they have these pieces, and I don't believe in Eli Manning and that team anymore. I, I said, uh, I've said it for the past couple of weeks. I think Eli Manning is done in the NFL. I think that he, he needs to retire after this year and just kind of move on. We'll see what happens. But I just – I believe in this coaching staff, and I believe in – in, in this 49ers offense, and I'm, I'm Nick Mullins' fan now. Let's go, Nick Mullins. Here we go. 49ers at home. There you go. I love it. I uh, love it. All right, so to recap for everybody, I went 
with, I just lost the page here. I went with the Saints traveling into Cincy, beating the Bengals. And then I went with the home team, the Bears against the Lions, and then the home team, 49ers against the Giants. So maybe we're sitting even again next week. Who knows? <laughs> we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. All right, pal. Well, uh, I know that you got to get going on your flight here so you can get back and we can we can see you tomorrow, but I'm glad that we still got to do our, our two uh, most prominent segments. There we go. Yeah, I do yeah. appreciate it, my friend. I hope the episode's going well. Yep. I look forward to listening to it, and uh, I'll see you in the a.m., all right? All right, my friend. You take care. You too, buddy. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, so obviously really happy that I got to get Josh on for a little bit before he flies back home here to Erie. Um, some some great games on the slate coming up this week. Uh, good things to watch. All right, so we're coming up on the 50-minute mark, 51 minutes now of the show, and we've had some some great guests on. You know, as much as it pains me to say a Patriots fan is smart, <laughs> we had some really great points from Charlie on the Pats and their six-game win streak, and Mike Lennon did a lot of knowledge and perspective on the Cowboys situation. Unfortunately, it doesn't look like we're going to be able to get our Browns correspondent in this week or Corwin back just because of time constraints and, and scheduling conflicts. But uh, we're going to round out the episode with, with a couple of of cool stats that I found and, and talk about them a little bit and take a deep dive because I think they're very intriguing. <laughs> um, but yeah, I saw this stat about the Falcons. Uh, this stat is from Dan Helly on Twitter, at Dan Helly. He's an NFL Network host and uh, Tennessee alum, and he, he is an NFL analyst, for, for lack of a better description. But he said the Falcons have gone from outhouse to penthouse in the red zone. And this is interesting because if you look at the stats, in 2017, the Falcons were 23rd in red zone efficiency. And now, in 2018, they're 7th. And they're first since week two, scoring touchdowns on 17 of 21 trips in the red zone. 17 of 21 trips. That means that they've been to the red zone 21 times, and 17 of those times, they've scored a touchdown. Incredible. And we've talked about this again and again with the Atlanta Falcons, is that their red zone efficiency has been putrid in the last few years, and especially, excuse me, last year was so tough because we talked about Steve Sarkeesian taking over as offensive coordinator for, for Kyle Shanahan, who left to go to San Francisco, obviously, having success offensively there. But Atlanta struggled for a while with this red zone efficiency, and we couldn't figure out why, you know, with guys like... Julio Jones, the wide receiver, incredible, who's both in the top five of Josh and I's list, top three, I believe. And then you have guys like Austin Hooper, you know, second, third year tight end, who, who's really great red zone target. And then obviously Devontae Freeman's hurt, but Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman, when you have backs that can catch it out of the backfield like that, it's just, it makes you scratch your head and wonder why aren't they being more efficient? Why aren't they getting things done? But it's really cool to see Sarkeesian and Matt Ryan and this offense sort of figure it out in the red zone. And now they've won a couple straight here. And they're at, uh, I believe, 4-4. Four and four. Yep, they're at 4-4 four and four after their win over Washington and Washington. And 
they're kind of rolling here, and they could they could go on a little bit of a run here. They could absolutely go on a run here, and I think one of the most important factors is this red zone efficiency. And just a little side note on that: Julio Jones broke his 12-game streak of no touchdowns last week against Washington, and and they. I'm not going to be shocked if if Atlanta ends up challenging the division, and especially for for a playoff spot because they go at Cleveland next week. Um, excuse me, because they came off the bye after their their two game win streak against Tampa Bay and the Giants. Then they went on the bye. They beat Washington last week, so that's three straight. And I'm looking at four straight probably in this game in Cleveland. And then you have Dallas at New Orleans is really tough, but you know division games, you never know. And especially when it comes to New Orleans and Atlanta, they they always play each other so tough. But you have at New Orleans, and then you have home for Baltimore at Green Bay. That's another one to look at, tough. Then home for Arizona at Carolina at Tampa Bay. So I'm looking at this, and there's only the, – the ones I'm worried about the most are at New Orleans, at Green Bay, and at Carolina. Those are tough games, but I would never count the Atlanta Falcons out at all in, in either of those three games. Uh, and then, you know, you're home against Baltimore, which is a tough opponent, but you're home. Dallas, you never know, of course, but you're also home. And then Arizona, of course. And then you're on the road against Tampa Bay in the final week of the season. And who knows what will be starting for them or what that team will look like at that point. But that that being said, this team could go on a run. And this team could surprise people. Sit in 4-4. Four four. I know that uh, I know Carolina and New Orleans are heading this division right now. You know, New Orleans obviously flying high after defeating the previously undefeated Los Angeles Rams and then you know the Panthers winning as well I believe against the Tampa Bay Bucks yes the Tampa Bay Bucks and they have that big Thursday night slate here on on Thursday or this coming Thursday excuse me and this division's tight at the top it is seven and one six and two New Orleans Carolina respectively and Atlanta's four and four but they still they have another contest against New Orleans and another contest against Carolina and then another one against Tampa Bay. So they have three more division games to be played. And I'm not about to write them off. They're two and one in the division. They lost uh they, they lost a, a, a tight one a while back to I believe New Orleans, yes. And so two and the one in the division, it's still ahead of them. The 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 they can beat New Orleans, Carolina, and Tampa Bay. And end up winning this division. Now, I don't think that's going to happen. But it's all in front of them. And with that red zone efficiency, they move the ball always so well. It'll be it'll be very, very fun to see how this plays out in the end. Because this division is always, you never know. And uh, will we get a repeat champion again with the New Orleans Saints? I think so. I think they're going to win the division. as, And I think they're going to win the Super Bowl, as I've said multiple times. So, so we'll see. But... Don't count the Falcons out. Like I said, seventh in red zone efficiency this season. First since week two in scoring touchdowns. 17 out of 21 trips to the red zone. Incredible. Now, another team that I think we need to look at that's very enthralling. That's for you, Josh. Is the, is Washington. The team from Washington. They're averaging 20 points a game, which is 25th in the NFL, which is the lowest of any team currently with a winning record. Any team 
with a winning record. Think about that. You have the the these are the teams with the winning records right now: the New England Patriots, the Miami Dolphins, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Cincinnati Bengals, the Houston Texans, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Los Angeles Chargers. Washington, obviously, the Chicago Bears, the Minnesota Vikings, the New Orleans Saints, the Carolina Panthers. Those are, and then obviously the Los Angeles Rams. So those are all the teams with winning records right now. And Washington is averaging less than 20 points a game. Or is it less than, or is it 20? Averaging 20 points a game, 25th in the NFL. 25th. And they're leading the division right now. So what that tells me is. Their defense is better than it gets credit for, even though they just gave up 38 points to the Atlanta Falcons. But obviously, Atlanta's a, a great team offensively, and we just talked about their red zone efficiency. Best in the NFL since week two. So obviously, Washington's defense is tough. What it tells me about the Washington Redskins is two things. One, they're well coached. Jay Gruden's done an excellent job with that offense and that team. And they're well quarterbacked. And I will bang the table over and over and over again for Alex Smith. I love the kid. I said the kid, but he's 34 years old. I'll be 25 in a month. 11 years old, or 9 years old, and he's still a great kid. He just, he gets it done when he needs to get it done. And I, you know, Adrian Peterson was my was my crushing it rant or whatever last week. Dude's on fire. Didn't have such a great week last week, but dude's incredible. And I, I love him. I, I love me some AP all day, AD. I, I hope that he continues his little fountain of youth spurt here of late. But Washington's an interesting team, and, and I, I, I'm going to have to disagree a little bit with Mike. I definitely think that Washington is inconsistent, but I think that Washington is a good football team. And that if they win the division, which I said they probably would, especially after that Dallas game, if Washington ends up winning this division, they definitely deserve to be in the playoffs. And I think that they, I don't believe that they would they'd be blown out by whatever team. And you're looking at it right now, I mean, Washington would be the four seed, potential five, potential five and six seeds, Minnesota, Carolina, Seattle, Atlanta, depending. If the playoffs started right now, you would have New Orleans would have, well, LA would, the Rams would have the number one seed right now based off a win percentage, but obviously if the records were evened out, New Orleans has the, the tiebreaker after just beating them. So New Orleans would be the one seed, Rams would be the two seed, three seed would be Washington or Chicago based on their uh conference records it'd be it'd be Chicago at this point so you're looking at Washington being the four seed then you're gonna face either Minnesota Carolina or Seattle based off the tiebreakers and right now it would be Carolina be a fun game I don't think it would be a blowout I really do not think that that would be a blowout it's a team to look at for but it's 20 points a game sometimes it's all it takes in this in this offensive explosion of an NFL that it is right now sometimes all it takes is about 20 points keep the other team for in check from going crazy get your turnovers don't turn over the ball yourself 
win a lot of football games. And that's majority of the time with Alex Smith, that has been the formula for victory. You add a guy like AP in the backfield, Adrian Peterson. You get Chris Thompson, who's a great scat back out of the backfield, catching the football, former Florida State player. Their wide receivers aren't really that great, but they get the job done. Jamison Crowder, Josh Doxson, former first-round pick, I believe. Vernon Davis is there. Jordan Reed is there, two good tight ends. It's a team to look out for. I don't think that they are a bad football team, so I, I'm going to have to disagree with what Mike said when he said, you know, it's a dumpster fire of a division. And, yes, it's very inconsistent, and Washington's been beaten handily a couple times this season, looking at the Indianapolis game. But they're not a bad football team. Washington's a good football team. They just are not winning the way that most of the NFL is winning right now. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't think it's a bad thing. I think they're winning the division. I think Philly falls off. I think Dallas evens out. Someone where Mike said 7-9, 8-8. Jason Garrett being around 500 for his coaching career. And then Jason Garrett rides off into the sunset of mediocrity. <laughs> but Washington, a team to look out for. Heading into the rest of the season. Whew, okay, so got about one more segment here, then we'll round out with some friends' fortunes. Josh emailed his to me, so I'll I'll put it at the end of the episode after I do mine. But I need to make a point here. It's a pretty strong point. It's very poignant. But I think I'm right, and it's gonna surprise some people. But I think I'm right, and that is the greatest quarterback of all time is Drew Brees. It's not Tom Brady. It's not Peyton Manning. As much as I would love to say it's Aaron Rodgers, it's not Aaron Rodgers. It's not Johnny Unitas. It's not Joe Montana. It's Drew Brees. 72,781 yards, 506 touchdowns, 97.4 quarterback rating he's unbelievable this season 18 touchdowns one interception 80 percent completion percentage if you i mean if you round up <laughs> but but un, it's, it's unbelievable he's completing between 77 and 80 percent of his passes in most of his games and he's only thrown one interception to 18 touchdowns it's Drew Brees is a machine. And I know, I know, I know exactly what all of the people, all of the contrarians to this point will say. Tom Brady's got five, five Super Bowl rings. Drew Brees has won. Yeah? Tell me, tell me, tell me again. Tell me again how many Hall of Fame players that Tom Brady has played with in his career? And then tell me how many Drew Brees has played with. Because if you look back on all the, especially the especially the first three Super Bowls that Tom Brady won, Tom Brady was on a, a team surrounded by Hall of Famers. Willie McGinnis. Ronnie Harrison. You have all of these defensive players Hall of Famers around them. 
not to mention the greatest NFL head coach of all time, arguably the best football coach of all time in, in Bill Belichick. Some can argue Bear Bryant or Nick Saban, of course, but arguably the best man to coach the sport of football in the history of the world. Bill Belichick is your head coach. And that's not taking anything away from Sean Payton. I love Sean Payton. I think Sean Payton, at the end, when all is said and done, becomes a Hall of Fame coach as well. But nobody's arguing Sean Payton's the best coach that ever coached. And you have a guy in Drew Brees who fought through all that adversity, who overcame what could have and should have been a career-ending injury. He carried a grieving city on his back to a Super Bowl title, to a renewed city. And obviously, you know, that's not exactly part of the argument of him being the greatest quarterback of all time. But the stats speak for themselves. And the efficiency speaks for itself. And you got to think about it. When Drew Brees won a Super Bowl, who were his receivers? Marcus Colston? Lance Moore? (laughs) I'll give you a dollar if you can tell me without looking it up what college Lance Moore went to. What other teams that he was on. Lance Moore? You're going to give me Lance Moore over... Randy Moss, when Brady had him. Obviously, they didn't win a Super Bowl together, but they're nearly undefeated season. We talk about running backs that, that, that Drew Brees has had. Because Drew Brees hasn't had a lot of running backs either, and, and the Patriots have had running backs before. You know, and Drew Brees had Jimmy Graham for those couple years, and they were right there in the, in the title games those couple years, and they didn't go all the way, but... You start to give him weapons like that, and Drew Brees gets done. And right now, you're seeing it. The last two years, you gave him Alvin Kamara. You gave him Mark Ingram. He now has Michael Thomas. Possibly Des Bryant. Mike brought it up. He's working out for the team this week. Might be signed. I think it'd be a great signing. I think it really, on a team that I already think is is, is the best in the NFL, on a team that I still think is going to win the Super Bowl, I think that really just is a cherry on top, the finishing finishing touches on that floorboard and I you look at the guy six foot quarterback doubted his whole career overcame odds at every turn and what has Tom Brady really had to overcome you know and I again I'm not ragging on Tom Brady here Tom Brady is one of the greats and if you tell me he's the greatest quarterback in the world of all time I'm not going to sit here and say oh well you're stupid because you're not I get it. Five Super Bowl rings. You can't deny that. But Drew Brees, in my opinion, is the greatest quarterback to ever play the sport of football. And he's done it with guys that most of you couldn't name. Most of you. Obviously, some of you can't. But most people couldn't name a single receiver on that Super Bowl team. Or running back. You want to know who their leading rusher in that football game was? Because it wasn't Reggie Bush. It was Pierre Thomas. Do any of you guys know who Pierre Thomas is? Because I bet you don't. Drew Brees has done it again and again. He's the greatest quarterback in the NFL. And I said it to to Josh. we We were talking on Sunday. And... I know it's a... I know it's somewhat of a hard argument to make. But... But I'm saying it. I believe it. 
you give me a choice between Drew Brees and Tom Brady, I'm picking Drew Brees nine out of nine times. And that tenth time, maybe I pick Aaron Rodgers just because I love Aaron Rodgers. But Drew Brees. Right now, I, I'm saying Tom Brady's the third best quarterback in the NFL. Because I would pick Brees, then Rodgers, then Brady. And that's not even anything to say about the Patriots. Or Tom Brady, who's incredible. But I'd rather have those two quarterbacks. Because don't even get me started on the fact that Aaron Rodgers has suffered through the, Mike McCarthy for his whole career. Charlie said it, a Pats fan. A Tom Brady idolizer. Tom Brady's his hero. He's saying that if Aaron Rodgers hadn't been stuck with McCarthy, he might be right up there. So, I really, really can't say it enough. I think that Drew Brees is the best quarterback to ever play the sport. And I don't think that many, if anybody, will say that. I think that a lot of people will let him be in the conversation, but nobody would end their statement with Drew Brees is the best of all time. But to me... 72,000 plus passing yardage. I think he ends his career as the most passing with the I think he ends his career with the most passing yardage in NFL history and I don't think that record gets breaking for a very long time. Even in the past happy NFL that we're in right now. Multiple 5,000 yard passing seasons. Nobody else has more than one. Drew Brees has more 5,000-yard passing seasons than anybody else in the NFL combined. Think about that. Again, with guys that you probably wouldn't know, Marcus Colson's probably the biggest name wide receiver he's had outside of Michael Thomas the last couple years, but Michael Thomas is young. Marcus Colson, Devery Henderson, another receiver he had. And Ted Ginn. <laughs> Ted Ginn. Ted Ginn, the drops master. Drew Brees is still throwing touchdowns to him. All right. I'll get off this high horse that I'm on, but I just want to say, and you guys can argue with me, and please, I, I welcome it. Tweet us, Facebook message us, comment, share our posts. Start the debate. We'd love to hear from you. Last thing I'll say, Drew Brees' last three and a half games at home, 11 touchdowns, zero interceptions, 80% of his passes completed. There's no place like Dome. <laughs> There's no place like Dome. And I can only say that this week because Josh isn't here to shut me up. So, <laughs> should have had more puns. Should have had more puns. Okay, we're wrapping up this episode now. We've had a lot of good, a lot of good interviews. Glad we got to have Josh on, do our pals picks, do a couple cold reads. Have a shorter episode, because we know that you don't want to listen to me for an hour <laughs> talk. Lord knows I could talk for an hour about, about football, but we thank you for tuning in. We're going to get to Friends Fortunes here. So obviously, Josh isn't even in the room, so I don't have to kick him out, and we can get right down to it. We can get right down to it here, and I'm going to get right this week. I am, because Josh isn't here. Not that that means that I'm smarter or better when he's not here, but I don't know why I said that. Regardless. <laughs> All right, Fred's Fortunes, week 10. Here we go. And you know what? I'm a, I'm a glutton for punishment because we're going to the Buffalo Bills football game. And I'm going to do it. I'm not afraid of it. You know what? I've said it time and time again that I'm not 
going to go to the Buffalo Bills, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it, man. We are going to the Bills, heading out to New Jersey to face, you guessed it, the Jets, one of our rivals. Jets are sitting at 3-5. and five. We're sitting at 2-7. and seven. Both of our seasons are pretty much done. But what I'm looking at here, I'm looking at two teams in the bottom of the league in terms of scoring. And it's really, really quite simple, folks. Out of all the games this week, my friend's fortune, Jets versus Bills. Is going to be the highest scoring game in the NFL this week, and I'm looking at I'm looking at a team like the Bills, who are probably getting their quarterback this week. Hopefully, fingers crossed. I'm looking at a Jets defense that has been susceptible, susceptible, excuse me, in the in, in of late in the past few weeks. I'm looking at Lashawn McCoy getting back on track, being angry. I'm looking at Terrell Pryor and Kelvin Benjamin and Zay Jones all getting more involved in this offense and and. and becoming more productive, and again, we're the worst offense in the NFL, but I'm tired of it, and I think we shut people up this week, and it's one of those things where a lot of times some of the best games in the NFL turn out to be two bad teams playing against each other, you know, uh, we saw it, again, we talked about it, one of my favorite all-time NFL games was Matt Stafford's rookie rookie year in Detroit, Cleveland versus the, versus the Lions, Brady Quinn versus Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford throws a game-winning touchdown pass on an untimed down on a broken collarbone. Incredible. It was the highest-scoring game that year. And I'm not going that far, but simply put, the Buffalo Bills this week head into New Jersey to face the Jets, and that game will be the highest-scoring game in the NFL this week. All right, a little mobile friend's fortune for us. All right, I am nervous to make this friend's fortune because to make it, I am trusting that Jason Garrett is going to become an offensive-minded head coach and not just settle for mediocrity and clapping for field goals like he has seemed to have done for a majority of his head coaching career. Sorry about that, Mike, but this one, this is going to be a good one for you. So, obviously, we're talking about the Dallas Cowboys as they travel up to Philadelphia to take on NFC East division rival the Philadelphia Eagles in a pivotal Sunday night football game. 
This division is so wide open still. Adam and I have been talking about it all year long. No one is seeming to separate. This past week, the Washington Redskins lost to the Atlanta Falcons. Dallas Cowboys lost at home against the Tennessee Titans while Philadelphia was on their bye week. Now we're going to be talking about Dallas. Dallas, like we talked with Mike a few weeks ago, has been undefeated at home. They took their first home loss this past weekend. And if they ever need to get this away monkey off their back, it is this week. Because if they lose this game, they will be in a hole that I don't think the Dallas Cowboys can dig their way out of. So I'm going to be talking about Amari Cooper, their prized trade possession that they traded a first-round pick for. He played pretty darn well on Monday night. One of the first passes went to him. I told Adam that was going to happen. They threw to him early. He scored a touchdown, but they didn't exactly stretch the field with him, which is one thing that they brought him in to do. They were going to use him to open up the field for Ezekiel Elliott. Now... Fun fact about Amari Cooper, he goes off in pivotal games that seem to be like this. Last year, when he was facing then-rival the Kansas City Chiefs on a Thursday night football game, he went off for 11 catches, over 200 yards, and two touchdowns. Now, I'm not saying he's going to match that production because that would just be bonkers, but Jason Garrett, if he's smart, he knows how important this game is, and he knows that the way to attack the Philadelphia Eagles defense is through the air. So he's going to get this talented young wide receiver going. My projection is that Amari Cooper is going to catch 12-plus passes for 150-plus yards and at least one score. And we'll see if Dallas gets out alive. Dallas, it's in your hands now. All right, so... I had the darndest time trying to get that recorded and I ended up just sitting here plugging my ears and playing it off my phone and now my ears hurt. <laughs> well, I hope that you all find that as amusing as I did. But as much fun as we had having Mike and Charles on the show and having Josh call in, I, I hope you're all looking forward to have Josh back on the show with me in studio next week because I miss him. But regardless, it was a good episode. I thank you all for tuning in and bearing with me as I've been by myself. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Please like, share, comment, ask us questions, be on the show, please. Uh, and also check out the Pocket Podcast Network. Uh, you can Google Pocket Podcast Network and there's a website. There's just so many other really cool podcasts out there that we're just truly blessed and honored to be a part of this network and really just be a part of the podcast community. So thank you so much for being, being listeners and for tuning in and, and please like, and share, like I said, and let us know what you want us to talk about. Ask us questions, critique us, please come be on the show. It'd be a lot of fun. So until next week, thank you all. This has been simultaneous catch with, Josh Lapping and Adam Jeffrey Rossi. Thank you so much. God bless.